Good morning. You know, before we get into the scripture message today, I just want to take a moment um, and reflect, do a little bit of praying. I'm sure uh, as, uh, for many of you, as it is for me, on, your, on our hearts and minds right now, are the events that happened in Charlottesville yesterday. Um, I, you know, I was reading about it, and, you know, it's just it's, it's pretty ugly. And then I watched a couple of the video clips that came out of it, and it was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, the, the slogans that were being shouted, and obviously the violence, even that is captured. Um, can we take a few moments and pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll turn to the scriptures? Father, thank you for creating us, each and every one of us, lovingly in your own image. Uh, forgive us for when we don't love others with the dignity and honor and respect that that demands. What's happened in Charlottesville we denounce as racism and evil. Help us to not stand for it. Uh, the, the way of peace is yours. The way of healing and unity are yours as well. But it calls us to refuse to be silent and re to refuse to perpetuate the status quo. Please help us in this. Even if the status quo has been uh, good to us, the way of Jesus, your way, invites us to use our power, our energy, our positions, our voices for the good of our neighbors. Please help us reject the status quo and change it insisting that everyone around us do the same, especially those who claim the name of Jesus, which we just sang about. Uh, but we need your help even in this. And Father, now as we turn uh, to your word, would you open our minds and our hearts to it? I ask especially that the words uh, that I, that I uh, say today are not mine, but yours in a, in a supernatural way, in a spiritual way. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing our series through the Old Testament. Uh, there's only, uh, this is, the plan for this is to do it just for the summer. You could probably do it through the life of a church if you want to stay in the Old Testament for a long time. It's, it's a good chunk of the Bible. Um, but I skipped through a lot of history, namely the kings, you know, King David, Saul, and Solomon. Uh, so we're going to move on. But by way of introducing today's topic, as we look at uh, Jeremiah, I want to share a story of, of a buddy of mine. So my buddy, when he was in college, he was head over heels for this gal. And so they would spend all, every waking moment together. They were going on tons of dates. But there was a point where it started to get a little awkward for him, a little confusing, because uh, he really wanted to call the relationship what he thought it was, what he thought others actually even said it was, and that is they were boyfriend and girlfriend. He wanted to call it official. But the, the hang-up there is she wasn't so into that. Uh, she was just kind of like, hey, uh, why do we have to put labels on our love? Like, can't it just be what it is? And, and he's like, people are calling us boyfriend and girlfriend. Can we? And anyways... But anyway, one day, he, uh, he, he got a call from her at kind of an unusual time of the, of the day. It's like early in the morning or something. And her vo her, her, her tone, the tone of her voice was a little bit different than the typical. So he's, okay, what's this about? And she said, hey, we need to talk. I have something, uh, something important I want to talk with you about. Can you meet me in front of the dining commons? There's a little picnic bench. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a picnic table there. Can we, can we meet there? And so the guy hung up. He's like, okay, I don't know what to make of this, but that sounds good. We're going, to, we're going to define the relationship. We're going to do the DTR, and we're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. So he shows up at the picnic, uh, the, the picnic table there outside of the dining commons, and he's a little early. So, so uh, he gets there, and there's a dude sitting there. So he goes up, and he kind of like does the awkward like hover thing. He figures when she shows up, he'll just kind of go off, and, and they'll, they'll find another spot. But she doesn't arrive right on time, um, which he likes to say in the story is like, typical of her. But anyways, um, he, he was, he, he, she doesn't arrive on time. And uh, so the guy who's sitting at the, the, the table there starts to kind of break the ice because, I mean, you know, it's, it's awkward. So he says, hey, you know, so what are you, what are you doing here? And the guy's all, um, uh, 
I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for a girl. And, uh, and he said, oh, that's funny. That's what I'm doing. Um, but anyways, they ended up the, the, uh, chopping it up a little bit more. They became, they, you know, they, 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 my friend, this guy's name is Joseph, I ended up saying, man, I really like this guy. Anyways, um, hanging out with this guy. But then finally the girl shows up, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes late. And uh, he thinks that she's going to come up to him and they're going to go off and find a spot. But that doesn't happen. She goes, she sits down right next to this guy on the bench on this table. And, he, and she says to Joseph, hey, Joseph, why don't you join us here on the bench, on, the, on this table? And so she sits down, one on each side of her, and without looking at my buddy or the other guy, just kind of looks straight ahead and says, I have a confession to make. Um, I've sort of been dating both of you guys for the last few months. I've been trying to figure out how this would work. But you know what? I've come up with a, it's something, I, I've come to a realization, and she said, I, and I quote, this works for me. Uh, let's do this. Um, can, you know, can you guys, I'm, I'm not making this up. When my buddy tells it, it's just so funny just to hear his. And he, my buddy was just like, you know what? I'm going to pull an audible here. Uh, no. Uh, I'm dumping you, and I'm going to hang out with this guy. Like, I want to start hanging out with this guy. And the other guy's like, yeah, you're dumped, and we're going to hang out together. The best part of this story is they actually became good, lifelong friends, even being in each other's weddings, not married either one of them to this one girl. So we're having fun with it. It seems to me that we can struggle with commitment. Uh, commitment is hard, hard to come by, and it seems to me harder and harder to come by uh, in our culture. And I'm not just talking about the romantics type, okay? We have friendships. Uh, we, we've all been through things that are hard in our life where, you know, things just kind of uh, just take a turn for the worse, and then we look around and we're like, oh, man, I thought they would be there for me, but they're not. Where are they? Uh, I don't know if it's because we live in the day and age where social media drives so much stuff where, so we can like metaphorically and literally like log off when things get hard or whatever it might be, or it's because our society is so highly mobile. Um, you know, at large in America, let alone Silicon Valley, which, you know, you times that by three, people are in and out. I don't know what the reasons, but what if we could find and develop relationships that anchor us, not just when things are easy, but through the storms, in the midst of the storms, they, they stay there, they anchor us, and they, they, they help us through it. Um, this is the power, I believe, that we see in the text we're looking at today that I'll read for you here in a second, um, because it shows God's commitment to us. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and turn to Jeremiah 31. It'll also be on the screen if you, if you don't have your, your Bible, either physical or, or digital. Um, but I'll go ahead and start reading here. Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the name to, uh, took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and write it. Up in, their, in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So what we see here and what I want to unpack with you is God is so incredibly committed to us, so incredibly committed to loving us that we can not only receive and lean into loving Him in a committed way, but we can, by implication, and we'll consider this as we go forward, by implication, start to commit to loving others in a way that just is, that'll, 
that will just help people through thick and thin and help us through thick and thin. God is incredibly committed to us, and we're going to see that in three ways in this text. Uh, a couple of concepts here. One, we see the covenant. We'll, we'll unpack that. The law and grace. We see how God is committed to us in these ways. So first, we want to look at the covenant with you. So it says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. That's kind of the main thrust of this, this text. Verse 32, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. Now, all throughout the Bible, it's important to note that whenever God relates to people, it is always in terms of this word, a covenant. He always establishes covenant relationships with people. So the, the question then is, well, what is a covenant? Like, what does that mean? And I think the easiest way to understand that is it kind of, in essence, what the Bible teaches is that it's kind of a special bond that two parties have for each other. It's in one sense, like, you know, legally binding, but in another sense, very personally and intimate. And because it's the two come together, both law and love, it is all the more powerful and all the more special. Listen to how one uh, Christian writer uh, puts it. A covenant is a relationship which, on the one hand, is much more intimate and personal than a relationship based only on a legal contract, on the other hand, it's, it's a relationship far more durable and binding and unconditional than a relationship based only on personal affections and feeling. It's a stunning blend of law and love. It's a personal relationship made more intimate and more personal because it's legally binding. Um, to me, the, the easiest illustration to understand this uh, is to take the traditional uh, vows uh, shared in a wedding service. Uh, so, for instance, we actually have three couples here at Current who are getting ready to get married in the next three months, which is really exciting. Um, what are the vows they're getting ready to make, uh, to have and to hold uh, from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health? That's covenantal language. That's, a, hey, I'm committing to you before anything hard or bad happens. I'm, I'm here for you. You can count on me. I'll be there. That's covenantal language. On the other hand, uh, you know, in contrast to that, there was a, it made the, the news this week um, that uh, a high-profile couple uh, is calling it quits to their marriage after being married for about eight years. Uh, real quick confession, it came into my news feed. This is not one of those things I, like, actively looked out, but I did <laughs> click on it. I did click on it. Um, sorry, that's more for me. That's, that's a David part of the sermon. Uh, but anyways, it was interesting. The article is, I think it was, anyways, the article was saying uh, that, um, you know, it was talking about how the internet is melting, like love is dead. You know, the whole idea of, man, if these two people, and I won't mention their names, if these two people who are always joyful, always smiling at each other, about as down to earth as Hollywood can get, if these guys can't make it, how can any of us make it? And it was interesting, you know, the, the reason she gave, and again, I didn't deep dive into this, but the, the reason I, she gave... reason she gave for why it wasn't going to work out is, quote, she had been, she had been raised uh, to, she had been raised, uh, hold on, I want to get this right because I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> oh, man, I can't even find it. Um, oh, she had been raised to believe, uh, to be selfish in love. That's what she was, she, so in other words, when times got hard, she was just say, you know what, this is just a little too hard, I can't do it anymore. Uh, that's contractual language. Versus a covenantal language, which is God saying, I am committed to you. I, I love you. I am there for you, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, those sorts of things. Um, he even uses in verse 32, you'll see it there, spousal language. He says, I was, I, I'm like a husband to my people. The problem is, and this is what Jeremiah 31 is addressing, is the problem is the old covenant 
the old covenant wasn't working. Uh, so he has to establish a new one. So, okay, in, under, to, in order to understand all this, we need to understand, okay, what, what was the old covenant that wasn't working? And he, he, he tips it off to us in verse 32. He says, it, that is the, the, the new covenant, will not be like the old covenant when I took them out of Egypt. So the old covenant is connected to Egypt. If you know that story, if you've been with us here during this uh, series in the Old Testament, you now know he's talking about the law. The law that God gave to Moses. When God delivered his people out of Egypt, out of the bond of slavery, uh, he provided for them. They basically made a beeline to Mount Sinai, and you've seen the movies. That's where the Ten Commandments came. Um, Ten Commandments summarizes this law. Now, let me pause for one second. When I say the law, when I, when I bring up this thought, this concept, what comes to mind? Like, what feelings kind of bubble up when you think about the law? I did this exercise with a few, uh, with a number of folks actually leading up in today's message because I kind of wanted to get a broad sense of folks understanding the law. You know, most of the responses went something like this. Oh, man, the law is the part of the Bible I just don't know too much about. Or the law is the part of the Bible when I'm reading through it, I'm just going to skip over that part. I just, you know, it's boring. You know, I'm just going to keep moving. Or uh, there's actually a number of folks where actually there's, there's a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of force of emotion behind it. Oh, that's just the rules, rules, rules part. That's, one gal even told me, oh my goodness, I was, I was made to memorize the Ten Commandments when I was little, and it was, it, I was made to do it with the force of, you better not only understand this, but do this or else. And so even in talking to, about the Ten Commandments, it's just like visceral reaction of like, oh my goodness. But did you know that when, whenever the key figures of the Bible talk about the law of Moses, they always do it with such respect and awe and describe it with words like it's beautiful. I mean, even King David, even King David in his Psalms, which are spiritual songs, is like, you know, to like a, a, a harp. God, your law, your, your precepts, your commands, they're beautiful. They're so wonderful for us. The law is actually a gift for us. You know, I I did a little exercise this week as well. I just, I, I was, I was, I'm going to go memorize, actually re-memorize the, the Ten Commandments. Just I, and it ended up being such a life-giving process for me, a life-giving exercise. Now, I can totally see how in the circumstances like I described for my friend, how she, she was forced as a kid and it was the thought of, you better do this or else, how that would not be a fun experience. That would have detrimental. But when I just did it this week, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so life-giving. The, the old covenant, the law, is a beautiful good thing. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any idols unto yourself. Those are the first two commandments. Now, to understand low-hanging fruit, there's a part of this that's talking about God's sovereignty. We talked about this last week in the book of Job. God is sovereign. If he made us, it stands to reason that we should love and be grateful for and show allegiance to him. That makes sense. Low-hanging fruit. But there's also more going on there. If you think about it, you reflect on it. God wants to protect our hearts. He wants to care for us. If we're chasing after other gods, we're in trouble is how he put it. And, you know, we've talked about this from time to time, but, you know, I mean, thinking about some of the gods, if you will, some of the idols, if you will, in the Silicon Valley, fame, power, success. I was reading uh, an article this week. I'm re I read a lot of these. I'm sure a lot of you guys do as well. A leadership article on maximizing, you know, time management. And what was really cool about this particular article is it was not only giving, hey, here are steps you can do, here's, here's what you can do, but it was actually interviewing CEOs, and the CEOs themselves were kind of saying, this is what I do, this is what you can do, and uh, so on and so forth. So I was learning a lot, taking a lot of notes, and trying to implement these things. But there came a point when I was reading down the article, 
I don't know, three-fourths way down. There's one CEO who's like, okay, I get up every morning at this time. You've got to get up in the morning at this time. You've got to manage your schedule this way. Get your calendar in control over here. Do this with your email. Some of you guys are really excited about what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are like, ah. But anyways, you just kept going on and on. And I was just like, at some point, I was just like, oh, my goodness. Why do I feel this heavy weight, like, sinking on, like, over me, like, into me? Like, what's going on? And I reflected about it for a little bit, and I realized, oh, my goodness, is this all there is? I mean, as much as, like, the next guy, it's great to get ahead, it's great to be successful, it's great to accomplish, is that all that this is about? You know, the Bible would say you, you, it's, it's easy to even take a good thing like success, accomplishment, and turn it into an idol. It becomes the ultimate thing. It's something that we actually, even one way of thinking about it is put our hope in, put our trust in. But God is saying, you know what, there's, there's all of those things, they're going to let you down. Or they're not going to fully satisfy you. Um, I will. Come to me. Have no other gods before you. Don't make any other idols. goes on, he says, do not mistreat the name of the Lord. Um, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. That's an interesting one. We need rest. And not just physical rest, holistic rest, emotional, spiritual. Keep it holy. I mean, it's amazing to me to think about how God, you know, after creating, after him doing work for six days, he stopped and rested. I mean, he didn't need any physical break, and yet he rested to take it in, to understand, to enjoy it. And if you want proof of that one, miss a day off or two. Some of you are probably there. Actually, I know a lot of you are there. That'll kill you. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder um, Jesus said, you know, he, 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 he took that another layer deeper. He said, don't get angry with folks. You shall not commit adultery. You know, that makes sense because what ha- he's, Jesus said, don't even look lustfully. He's like, don't devalue others in this way. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. Coveting. Oh, my goodness. Isn't it interesting to me? Isn't it interesting? I find it, it, it interesting that oftentimes even the wealthiest of people are still looking at what other people have. You know, it's not that just once you get a ton of money, then it all stops and, oh, I'm not going to, like, covet or want what other people. It almost seems like the ball starts to roll. And some of the poorest people on the planet, people who have the least, are some of the most joyful people. God says, don't covet. In other words, let me summarize all of that. And the New Testament helps us with this. And if you've been here with us, you've seen this. What do the Ten Commandments say? First four commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The, the, the latter six, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love, love, for the better of you, for the better of relationships that you're in, for the betterment of society. And I'll tell you, going through that exercise, I'm, I'm sitting here like, oh my goodness, if we could get this, even move in a little bit of a direction of this, how much better would things be? In my own life, in relationships around me, in society, goodness gracious. But you know what the other thought that went through me as I was going through this exercise, is, as, as life-giving as it was, it was also extremely sobering. Because as I was doing this, I realized, oh my goodness, I fall so incredibly short of doing just about all of these. And that's actually part of the purpose of the law. To understand it in the context here of the old covenant, God gave it to establish for us in relationship who he is and who he made us to be. It is a loving gift to us and says, here, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to be for you. Here's your part in a loving response to my bringing you out of Egypt, my saving initiative. Here it is. Would you follow me? 
And what the law ends up doing is showing us that, wow, yes, God is committed to us, and we're not really all that committed to Him. And we see that over and over again in the story of Israel, which is meant to show a story, show us our own story. Um, again, you know, you go back to the Garden of Eden, the very first sermon of this whole series. We just said, you know what, God, we love you. Thanks for creating us. We're going to do our own thing now. And that just kind of snowballed until a couple weeks ago we were in the book of Judges. You remember that? What was the theme verse of the book of Judges? And in those days there was no king, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and things were falling apart. At the society level, but also for people individually. And now, speed forward, yes, even past the kings, um, into now the time of the prophets, which is where we are. Jeremiah is a prophet. And what's happening is the Israelites have continued to say, you know what, God, we understand your law is good. We understand that you're providing for us, taking care for us, but we're going to continue to choose our own way. And finally, 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 hundreds of years of this, God finally says, you know what, okay, enough. We can't keep doing this. And so what we're seeing here, actually the book of Jeremiah is God saying to the people through his prophet, you guys are going into exile for a little bit. Actually, the, the kingdom of Babylon would come in and they'd take up the Jews take them over there, and they would be in exile for a, while, for a while. Why? Because they were not holding up their part of the covenant. What was the covenant? When it was given, the law of Moses, Exodus 19 says it this way. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then you will be my treasured possession. Um, this is a strong sentence structure. If you obey me, if you keep it fully, then, if then, then you will be my treasured possession. We actually even sung about it. I love how the verses were in there. It's like, and there's a curse involved. It won't go well for you if you don't do these things. It's not going to go well for you if you don't follow these things. And yet, what we've seen is the Israelites have gone over and over and said, you know what, we can't do this. And that is where God meets them. It, for those of you guys who are longtime readers of the, of the Bible, or if you're just starting out or whatever, I am uh, continually amazed, I'm more and more amazed that some of the best, actually, let's go ahead and say it, the greatest promises in the Bible come in just about the worst of times for God's people. I mean, these guys were facing exile. That's a pretty hopeless situation. And yet, in the midst of that, God says, here comes a new covenant. The old covenant is conditional, but you need a new covenant. It's interesting to me. In Exodus and many places, when God gives a covenant, he says, you have to obey me, and if you don't, it's not going to go well for you. Here's the great mystery, however, of the Old Testament scriptures, of, of ancient Jewish history. In other words, what I just said is the Bible, the, the covenant God gave for us is conditional. We have to obey. And yet, there are so many other places throughout the Bible that say God's talking to his people, and you know what? I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Even in Judges, by the way. And again, in the context of the series, Judges is about the worst of the worst. Here's the people just doing whatever they want to do. God says in Judges 2-2, I'm committed to you. So which is it? Is it the conditional, if, then, you got to obey me or there's a curse? Or is it unconditional, I'm never going to leave you? This is the great mystery of the Bible in the Jewish scriptures. They were, they've been wrestling with this forever. How does this make sense? Is God just like built-in contradictions? How does this make sense? We understand that he's, he's always with us, and then, and then our love with him is also on a conditional purpose. It is amazing to me. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Peter, one of the New Testament writers. When he talks about Jesus, 
he says, in looking at Jesus, even angels long to look into what Jesus was about. And do you know why that is? It's because Jesus resolved this tension through grace. In the words that we're reading right here in this covenant, the new covenant that God gave. It will not be like the old covenant. Verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds <coughs> Excuse me, and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Where do I get Jesus in there? Well, any number of ways. But for starters, it says everyone will know him from the least to the greatest. This much of the Bible leading up to Jesus' life, you know what we have? We have a bunch of collection of stories hinting at and implying who God is. He tells us who he is, but really it's kind of more the conceptual, the abstract. And then we have this part of our Bible where the living, breathing Son of God is walking among us, living among us, loving us. And of course, on the cross, he dealt with the conditions of the covenant, that God would be committed to us, rain or shine, even when we're sinful. It, he met, it was the, the conditional meaning, the unconditional, because in dying for us, after living a perfect life, he lived the life under the law we couldn't live. And so that by faith, we can receive this. Um, we sang about this a little bit ago, but this is, here's a, a New Testament writer talking about it. It is written, that is, he's, he's quoting the law here, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And so, he says, clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. In other words, by faith, we receive what Jesus has done for us, him meeting the covenant of the law so that we can be loved by God unconditionally. One of my favorite thoughts, you know, in, in Jeremiah 31, it talks about how he was like a husband to us. He's still like a husband to us. He essentially made the vows for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, till death do us part. He essentially made those vows, and whereas we rejected him as his bride, on the cross, he stayed. He kept his vows. In other words, the gospel is he took us on his back and he fulfilled it for us that when we have faith in him, we receive life in his name. That is the gospel. Now think about it with me for a second. The implications of that. If God is so committed to loving us, he would send his son to die for us, we could begin, because of his love, to start living in a committed way for others. For example, when they don't deserve it, or there's nothing in it for us. Because again, that's contractual. Have you guys had relationships where we're friends, but as soon as I'm not useful, you're not friends anymore? Have you had friends where, like I mentioned early at the top of this message, where things hit the fan and people aren't there anymore? God says, because I've loved you, you be there for them. And that's what we get to be, we, we get, we're, we're called into being. That's what I love about starting this church. I'd have you guys look around the room, but that's kind of creepy, kind of awkward. Um, thinking about this room, some of you guys are doing it anyways, creeper status. 
That's what I love about this room is we are trying to be a place that's built on God's incredibly committed love for us. He is the wellspring source of our love, which means those of you around here, you don't have to earn our love or deserve our love, even as we're not going to really be deserving of your love, but that's the point. We're drawing from the source of his love that he gave us so undeservingly. And the what's in it for us, we don't, that's not a part of the equation. We've already got God, and we get to give him to others. You know, I had a friend, and this I'll, I'll share this story in closing. I had a friend who I mentioned last week. Last week's message was Job, pain and suffering, heavy topic. And I mentioned at the very beginning that I have a friend who uh, the week prior to that had just experienced just this unexpected, tragic loss of a very close loved one. And so they've been grieving, and it's been really hard for them. Um, I, I, got, I was able to get a hold of him this week. He was, a, he was a really good friend of mine. He was in my wedding. And I got to talk to him. I asked him, how, how are you doing? And he was telling me how it's been a process for them. They're working it through. Um, and then at some point in the conversation, David, how are you doing? Like, tell, me, tell me what's going on in your life. And I said, Steve, um, no. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm having a little bit of a harder week this week, but, but let's, no, let's, let's not go there today. That's okay. I said, David, how can I be a help to you? How can I be, can I help you process something? I hung up that phone call about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes later, feeling immensely encouraged because my buddy just took some time to pour into me, even in the midst of grieving. I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting there. And why would he do this? He said essentially as much in his conversation with me. He said his source of love is God. Even in the midst of hard times, which he's going through right now, he knows God is over it, caring for him, and that, he, that God's given him a love that he can distribute to others. And I was blown away by that. I realized, you know what, that's the call of the Christian. That's the, that's, that's the call of the Christ followers, to put ourselves aside, what's in it for us, or what we're deserving. Because the fact of the matter is, this whole thing is built on his love for us, and we get to offer that to others. And so the extent we can here, number one, if you've never received it before, that's the gospel as we talk about it. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, that he gave himself for us that, so that by faith we would receive forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with God. And then as we receive that, he gives us a new power that even through the, the fangs of death, we can, be, we can live for the love of others and be committed to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, as we take communion now, uh, we reflect on some of the words that you said in communion. When you instituted communion, you said, this is my blood, which is a new covenant for you. Father, you are quoting this covenant that you were, you were promising ahead to your people going back hundreds and hundreds of years the time of Jeremiah. You said, this is the covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, today we celebrate you're giving us this new covenant. You're fulfilling the law on our behalf that we might receive your love unconditionally. We're also thankful for a lot of the implications of this. That doesn't mean you just take the wrongs in the world and sweep them under a rug. No, Lord, you are, you are a just God. You detest evil. And yet you dealt with that on the cross. 
at the same time, you love us immensely. You give us your grace. And so we just pause and we say thank you. And we also say thank you, not just for what you've done. We thank, we thank you for communion, community. We thank you for the people in this room that we get to commit to, even as we're messed up and they, they'll let us down, this and that. It's all based on your unconditional love. So we thank you for that. Thank you for that power. Please go before us and please help us to offer and extend this to many others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.